You're gonna need a bigger boat. What a lovely day! I'm having an old friend for dinner. You are a toy! She wouldn't even have a fly. You can't handle the truth! I'll be back. English motherfucker, do you speak it? Just keep swimming, just keep swimming, just keep swimming, swimming, swimming. And welcome back to another episode of Cinematic Blind Spots. I'm Adam. And today we are here to commemorate the 38th anniversary of the day that a small summer camp in rural Maine was almost wiped off the map by a falling piece of satellite debris. (laughs) In case you haven't figured out by the title of this episode, today we are talking about a film that until this, until yesterday, I had not seen before. It was in one of my blind spots. We are talking about Wet Hot American Summer. It's one of these movies. I mean, how did you find out about this movie, Josh? I know it was about four years ago when Netflix decided to do First Day of Camp. Okay, so uh, you that didn't... news came out, and I looked at the cast and said, "Huh, I got to check this out." Yeah, because I, I'm, I was I was looking this up. Okay, this movie came out in 2001. It is billed as a comedy romance, which, sure, you can call it that. Um. <laughs> It only opened in two theaters on its first weekend, making a whopping $17,481. Killing it. Yeah, killing it. Um, At its biggest release, at the widest release, it was in 12 total theaters. Well, that's why we missed it. Yeah, that's why we missed it. (laughs) Plus, in 2001, I was, jeez, I was like 15, I think. No, I my, was I was watching movies like that. In yeah, you were no, watching so. movies like that. And my parents wouldn't let me, man. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I had to. I thought I was getting edgy when I got went to see the, the Fast and the Furious. Um, this movie, after I, I, out of a one point eight million dollar budget, which is actually pretty low budget even for two thousand one when you when you think yeah, about it, um, grossed a total of $295,206. So not what you would call a box office smash. No, and that's why I think this gets the term cult classic Cult now. classic. I think this, yeah, this may be our first cult classic review. It currently sits at a 36% from the critics on Rotten Tomatoes and a 76% from the audience. So this, yeah, this movie has obviously gotten a lot more love from just average Joes like you and me. Than, uh, than, the, than the critics. Of course, you know... And spoiler alert, I'm on the audience's side with this one. Yeah, I gotta say I'm with the audience's side on this one, too. Um, this is just a damn fun movie. It, 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 it's a parody of all of those stupid summer camp comedies like... Um, oh, what's a good example? Of? Um, Meatballs? I was going to say meatballs. Meatballs, I was thinking meatballs. Um, Although I've never seen meatballs. I just, again, that's one of those movies I remember seeing the box art for at Blockbuster when I was a kid and going, what the hell is this? Um, So yeah, meatballs, movies like that. And all it it, it just tears these movies apart. Now, I got to say, I loved it from the opening because I guess I'm getting old because I see stuff like this and, you know, it's, it's got a very retro feel to it. It's got this really kind of rounded, bubbly font in the, uh, in the opening credits. There's some great music playing. Of course, any movie that is set in 1981 should have a great soundtrack. There's just no excuse. And it does. And it does. This movie has a very good soundtrack. Um, 
yeah, you it opens with a just a montage of a bunch of I guess camp counselors dancing around the bonfire, lots of sexy dancing and all that good <laughs> stuff going on. <laughs> That'd be a good time for my Stewie impression. A lot of sexy dancing. <laughs> <laughs> A sexy party. Um, <clears throat> but no, so, and, and, and even the, the, the picture quality has a very grainy look to it. Like it was made on an old camera, like it was made through, you know, not the, not the HD high definition stuff we have nowadays. Um, so yeah, great opening credits. I kind of wish they had kept that gritty, fuzzy kind of looking film too because that that would have really made it feel like something from 1981 you know uh, but but once it gets past that it gets to a bit more clear high definition picture but right but i wonder would you would you like it though if you watch the whole movie like that because it might you might go hey you know what i would rather have a clear picture because i am in the 2000s now. yeah i do have a 4k <laughs> tv i mean i might have eventually kind of uh kind of gotten tired of it and my, my eyes might have eventually started to hurt. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but yeah, this movie really has an, a pretty all-star before they were famous cast. Yes. We've got Paul Rudd as Andy, the uh, not-so-lovable douchebag. Yeah, definitely not. Um, we've got Amy Poehler and... This um, is like her first year of SNL. Really? The first. This was the year she started Saturday Night Live. Okay, see, so I didn't... Her I didn't, Tina Fey were not a thing yet. Okay, see, I did not watch a lot of, um, of uh, SNL back in the day like that. Um, but um, let's see, who else? Uh, Bradley Cooper. Before The Hangover. Before The Hangover. And um, who else? You got um, Elizabeth Banks. Elizabeth Banks, yes. Who and, I think... I first saw her in 40-Year-Old Virgin. Mm-hmm. I really started to know her name in Zack and Miri Make a Porno. Uh-huh. But we just recently saw her in Brightburn as the mom. Yeah. Holy crap. I didn't even realize that. And now that game shows are making a comeback, she's the host of Press Your Luck right now. Really? And she looks exactly the same all these years later. Well, <laughs> it, well, when you're in Hollywood and you make that kind of money, yeah, you can do that. You can afford to be young forever. Um well, it's really nice to see Elizabeth Banks go from movies like this, where she is there just as a really hot body, to Brightburn, where geez, she she has some serious acting chops. I I think she did a great job in that movie. Yep, she definitely did. She she became a good mother. Um, there's also Christopher Maloney, Law and Order, oh SVU God, fame. Yes, I I will never. This that's that's my one problem with this movie is it ruined. The, the the character of Elliot Stabler. I will never be able to watch. <laughs> I'll never be able to watch Law and Order SVU again. I, I've known he was in there, but I've never watched Law and Order. So I used I to th- love Law and Order, uh, especially Law and Order SVU because Mariska Hargitay is really hot. Um, but yeah, yeah Christopher Maloney. You also um, got Janine Garofalo, yeah, Molly J- Shannon, mm-hmm. both of those of SNL fame mm-hmm. as well. You got Marguerite Moreau as the main love interest. The only thing I've seen her in is Queen of the Damned. So I actually I actually looked her up on IMDb, and she was in the first two Mighty Ducks movies. So I wow. really need to go because I loved those movies when I was a kid. I need to go back and watch those again, or, okay, or something. Uh, but yeah, she's been doing this for a while. Good for her. Um, yeah, Kim Marino, he played uh, Victor, the guy who was a supposed ladies' man who was a virgin. Yeah, him. Have, have you ever heard of a movie called Bad Milo? Bad Milo. I don't. Oh wait, yes, yes. I think I have. I think I have. I just can't remember quite the. 
He, oh, uh, is, he gets is that the one? He, he has an alien living up his butt or something? Well, it's his stress alien. Oh, it's his when stress it, when, alien. When he gets too stressed, it comes out to feed, basically. So, <laughs> so yes. That is some high-quality filmmaking there. Yep. <laughs> um, and then plenty of, like, great little cameos as well. You know, um, Judah Friedlander shows up. Uh, Judah Friedlander, if you've watched 30 Rock, you should know who that is. Um... Shows up as shows up as Molly Shannon's estranged husband, yeah, ex husband. Um, Yeah, David Hyde Pierce. David Hyde Pierce. Yeah, I I loved Frasier. That's like my favorite sitcom of all time. I know I'm a nerd. Um, (laughs) Well, that fits Adam because he is an astrophysicist professor, astrophysics professor, uh, assistant astrophysicist professor, (laughs) professor of astrophysics. Um, Oh, who else? Um, There's one scene in which a voiceover is heard. From, uh, oh, damn it, uh, H. John Benjamin, who you would probably know better as Archer or Bob from Bob's Burgers. Um, I will get to that scene in a minute, but, um, <laughs> it's just not a human character that's right. talking. <laughs> I know you're talking about, <laughs> you, you know the know part we're talking about. I do not about. actually know that actor. Well, I'm sitting, you, you know me, I'm a voice acting nerd, yes. I'm a voice actor, so I hear, I, I always hear voiceover going, who is that? I know that voice, who is that? Um... So, okay, after this great opening credit sequence, um, it, it kind of throws you a curveball because you get this long panning shot of all these single beds that you can tell have two people in them. So you're like, okay, first scene and we've already got camp counselors fucking, okay. Um, but then it throws you a curveball. It's like, no, those aren't the camp counselors. Those are the campers. Like, oh, yeah. shit. The boys the are hiding out in the girls' room. Boys on are the hiding last day of summer on camp. the last day of summer camp, and uh, they all go running out. Like, hey guys, we got to get back to our bunks, and they all go running out, like sneaking out, and then they sneak past these two adult camp counselors. Janine, I wouldn't say sneak. They well, noticed. They no, were just the, like, yeah, they, yeah, they, they, they go, kids. They don't, they don't care. Yeah, it's the last day the, of camp. The, the counselors didn't this. care. They. They did not give it. a shit. Uh, <laughs> like, well, that was definitely different. Um, I love their literal wake-up call. Like, instead of, you know, some camp counselor, they'd have a kid out there playing playing Reverie on the on the bugle. This one's some guy with a guitar that just hits this one note and this one fat kid literally yelling, Wake up! <laughs> like, that was, God, that was awesome. <laughs> Um, and this is when we are introduced to our main character, um, Coop, played by Michael Showalter. Who's also the co-writer of the movie. Who's also the co-writer of the movie and sporting a god-awful haircut. Um. And he shows up later as a different character. He shows up later as a different character, yeah. Um, this is where you're meeting a lot of your, uh, atypical, stereotypical, um, camp counselor tropes. Um, you know, 25 year olds playing 16 year olds. Yeah, 25 year olds playing 16 year olds. Um, we are introduced to Katie, who is um, Coop's uh, love interest, but she's got a thing for Danny, who we'll get Andy. in. Oh, sorry, Andy, that we'll get into in a minute. Um, at first, I thought she was going to be like the slutty camp counselor girl, but um, no, she's just kind of confused. She doesn't really know what she's doing. Um, after a very awkward little encounter with her as she's walking away coop yells i want you inside me yes, <laughs> i heard that and i immediately thought god someone flunk sex ed what the hell <laughs> um 
So yeah, it's it's the last day of camp, and we're learning about all this fun stuff that's supposed to be happening. Did did you ever go to summer camp as a kid? I did not. Oh, you lucky bastard! <laughs> oh, so you did? I did, and not just summer camp. Um, I went to the local Christian summer camp. And was it like uh, overnight camp? Like... No, yeah, it was overnight camp. We had dorms uh, and everything. So how long were you gone? It was like a week. Okay, so it wasn't. It wasn't. Camp? Yeah, yeah. It, it was. It wasn't like like two months like these kids in the movie. Right. That's why I was wondering. Cause no, that seems so strange to me. That yeah. That that's. I, I I can't think of any actual summer camps where kids stay gone that long. I think it's only in movies. Right. Un- unless unless you're like in reform school or something. <laughs> um. So then we come to breakfast. Yes. And this is where we meet Susie and Ben. That's Amy Poehler and Bradley Cooper. Mm-hmm. And they are planning a play. Now, this is the last day of camp, and that night they're having a talent show, and they mm-hmm. want to put on this big musical production. Mm-hmm. So I thought it was hilarious. I thought it was hilarious day. when I heard the title of it. They're like, we're putting on Godspell. And I went, oh, shit, my ex-girlfriend took me to see that one time. Oh. I, I kid you not. <laughs> we went to this. It wasn't a bad production for the, for the, for the, it was a community, you know, theater kind of a thing. And I will say the, the, some of the music in that thing was really catchy, but when they said Godspell, I immediately went, oh, no. Um, so, yeah, still introducing new characters, and that's when also when we are introduced to Christopher Maloney as Gene, the psychotic chef. chef also Vietnam vet. Also Vietnam vet, has a huge crucifix tattooed on his left, on his left arm for some reason. Uh, as soon as I was introduced to this character, I knew he was going to be my favorite for this movie. And he was mine as well. <laughs> he's, like, mean, he's like talking to these teenagers, these quote-unquote teenagers who are supposed to be preparing for like, you little sorry sack of shit! I was in Vietnam! You fix those potatoes right now! And he had kind of an accent like yes. that too. And just... Oh, yes. And then, as he tells the his protege who's he's learning to cook or whatever... To go get something out of the pantry right below his dick cream. Yeah, right, right next to his dick cream. And the guy's immediately like, wait, what? And and what, what did he say? What, I he, can't remember. He, can't, he, he tried to cover that he one. Tried to co- that, he, he does that all. Uh, Christopher Maloney does this all throughout the movie. He will say something completely outlandish. And then someone will say, what? And he'll go, uh, I said. And he'll try to come up with something that rhymes with what he said. And it doesn't always work out, but it's always hilarious. Um, what else? Uh, oh, we missed, um, we missed, uh, earlier when they introduced David Hyde Pierce as, uh, what, what was his character's name? Henry. Henry, right. Yes. Um, for some reason, Janine, uh, for some reason he lives like right, he's not like a part of the camp or no, anything. He's right next he lives next door to the camp. Which that was actually a funny scene because she comes over and introduces herself as camp director. Mm-hmm. And then she's like, and what do you do? He's like, no, I don't work there. She's, <laughs> she's like, no, I know. I'm the camp director. I would know if you worked here. <laughs> I just I love that little exchange. Just the, the, their, their, um, their dynamic and their relationship for this entire movie is really something else. Um, and she's like, she keeps asking, was like, oh, if you'd like to come over and like show the kids some stuff about astrophysics. And he's like, oh, no, no. Okay, no, I'm okay. And then she keeps asking him. And finally, he's one, he just yells, I said No! Yeah. Oh, I laughed so hard. I did too. Um, and then back to the uh, back to the to the uh, mess hall. We finally get get to meet Paul Rudd as Andy, and he is just the biggest possible 
asshole anyone could be. He's just... At first, when you first meet him, he is all over Katie, the, the girl from earlier, make, making out with her. And then when she, like, touches him or something, he all of a sudden he's like, Oh, dude, stop smothering me! What the hell? And, and his making out is pretty atrocious. Oh, his tongue is all all over the face. Yeah, basically. yeah definitely. Pretty... Um, um, any other good things you noticed from that particular scene? No, not, okay. not right there, no. So from there, they, they talk about what they have to do throughout the day. Um... Who was the the overly macho character? Um, Victor. Victor. Yes. We find out that Victor has got the hots for this one particular counselor. What was her and name? I did not catch her name. Was it Abby. Abby? Abby. Okay. I've got it right here. Abby Bernstein. Because he okay. said he says her name later. Well, he really wants to get in this girl's pants, but they decide to take to to put him in charge of taking this group of boys on a rafting tour down this little river. And he's like, "Fuck! I wanted to get in her pants the whole time there." Yeah. Um, and we, we, we just start to get a few, um, glimpses into other things that are happening. We get to see Molly Shannon's, um, art class. <laughs> art, arts and crafts class and <laughs> with she, the one crayon. with the one crayon and she's having a meltdown because she's just gotten divorced or something. So it's just like when the kids are like, but there's only one crayon. She just loses it. It's like, oh, I'm such a terrible person. I, I, there's only one, there's only one crayon. In here. And there's a whole thing of markers. And there's a whole thing there. of markers sitting there. But, but yeah. That's just not going to do. In yeah. And then uh, several scenes later, she is still having that same meltdown. And finally, some of her students start giving her like therapy and counseling and talking <laughs> her through with talking through this with her. Um, and I'll say at this point, we're back outside. We're back with Gene mm-hmm. and the other guy cooking mm-hmm. outside. Mm-hmm. And Gene makes one of his comments. I'm going to go fondle my sweaters. I'm going to go fondle my sweaters. And in this case, I remember when he says what he says, he's going to make fondue with, with cheddar. cheddar. <laughs> Like nice, no, nice save there, dude. Nice save. Um, we have a nice scene of the kids all in the in the in the water at the pond or at the lake or whatever. And of course, Andy there is making out with Elizabeth Banks' character because she's just the hottest thing in camp. Um, and you're like, some kid in the background is like, "Hey, Andy, can I take the motorboat out?" And I'm like, "Oh shit, here we go." And he's like, "Yeah, sure, man, take it, whatever." And I was ex- totally expecting that kid to like run over a bunch of people with it, but that didn't happen. He, no. he like, he, he like brings it back to the pier a few minutes later. Andy is still making out and not even paying attention. Um, and he like jumps out of the water, but then he, he jumps out of the, out of the boat into the water. But then he's like, Andy, I fell in. I can't swim. And, and, and he's just like not even paying attention no. until, until finally all you see is like just bubbles coming up yeah, from where this kid was. Under. Yep. And, then, and then, oh dear God, this other kid comes up like, hey Andy, have you seen my swimming buddy? <laughs> and then he, Andy just kind of stops making out for a second and looks around. He's like, hey kid, we're going to go for a drive. Yeah, he's like, can you give me 20 minutes? <laughs> yeah, he's t- saying to Elizabeth, give me 20 minutes. And uh, then you get this wonderful shot with this wonderful dialogue of, hey Andy, where are we going? Oh, we're going to a pizza party. Oh, great, I love pizza. And just, like, doesn't even finish, he just... Flings this kid out of a moving van and the kid just flops onto the ground and stays there. Like this is Andy and his his version of camp counseling. And like when when he fucks up, that's when he's like whoever saw that is gonna get thrown out of a van. Um <laughs> uh, oh, and 
all this time we've been hearing this kid, you know how there were all these, all, there was always like a camp counselor radio or something making right. announcements. Well, we've heard this kid named the, who calls himself the, the beekeeper. Artie. Artie, the beekeeper. And he's, mm-hmm. he's, he's always, you know, talking about what's going on in camp. And if that's really what that kid's voice sounded like, he had a pretty cool voice for a little yeah. kid. Yeah. But I think that might've been ADR. Okay. I think that might've been someone's talking over him. Um, but like they, there's this running gag with this kid of like, have you taken a shower? Good. Cause you haven't taken a shower all summer. You have to take a shower before you go home. I'm like this kid, what the hell? Well, then you finally see him sitting there and he's <laughs> talking into the microphone with this bee covering thing on his head. He's actually, yeah. Wearing the, beekeeper wearing, wearing the beekeeper outfit <laughs> and the camera pans down and you see that his radio is not even plugged into yeah, anything. The wires are just hanging. There. Yeah. They're just hanging yeah. there. So like th- this kid's very special. <laughs> This kid is very special. Um, have you have we have we missed anything so far? No, I don't think so. Not where I'm at. Okay. Um, I think at this point, this is where Victor, the uh, what's the other guy that goes with him oh, on the trip? I can't remember. Hang on. Um, and McKinley go out and they start looking at these women in the pond. They're undressing. Well, no, Victor wasn't at that. Vic, Victor yeah. wasn't at that scene, was he? No, no, you're right. Vic, Victor, JJ. W- yeah, JJ. Victor. JJ. Oh, yeah, we 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 skipped over that. Um, Victor, like, was was you know driving this van with these kids in it, and the and the raft on top. He's like, oh, okay, I'm. I'm and he just literally like takes a turn real fast, throws the throws the uh, the 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 raft off the top of the van, and it's like, hey, and he tells the guy with him, tells the other one, um, what was his name? Um, Neil tells Neil's like, Hey, just take the kids down the, down the river. I'm going to go back to, to camp so I can, so I can sleep with Abby. And, um, and that's when he finally admits that he's a virgin. Yeah. That's when he finally admits that he's a virgin. Um, so yeah, from there we get this great scene of, well, first, for some reason, he's, he, he wrecks the van on the way back. He's just driving along and singing and singing. It's, it's not like he's got his eyes closed or anything, but all of a sudden, like, ah! And, and you never see anything. There's no other cars. No, no other cars. It's just him running his van into a tree. <laughs> and then he's like, oh, no. So he starts to walk. And at one point, he's walking along, and he's just, like, delirious and so tired. He's like, wait for me, Abby Bernstein. I love you. Wait for me, my love. <laughs> Um, and then after, and shortly after that, we get a, we get a shot, we get a scene with the kids in the raft and Neil and the kids are like, nobody, uh, Victor's the only one who knows how to navigate yeah. and knows how to navigate these rapids. We're heading for these rapids. So Neil just randomly jumps out of the, out of the, uh, raft and there's a campsite right there with a motorcycle that he steals. <laughs> and from there you get one of the best chase scenes I think I've ever seen. You've got Victor on foot and Neil on a motorcycle and Neil somehow still cannot catch him. <laughs> at one point, at one point they're just on this, uh, like two lane country road. There's like nothing else there except a some randomly placed hay bale. And when Victor sees that, he like, oh no, and he stops like right there at the hay bale. Like, oh shit, what do I do? I mean, he could totally walk around it or step over it. But what does he do? No, he backs up and takes a running jump over it. And then when when Neil comes along on the motorcycle, he just kind of screeches to his stop and lays the bike over right there and just just gives this look of like, you son of a bitch. (laughs) You got me. (laughs) Again, just 
one of the best chase scenes I've ever seen. Like Mad Max Fury Road has nothing on this. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, from there, um, what do we get? We get, to, oh yeah, um, JJ and McKinley. McKinley and I think Gary? Yeah, I think Gary, the guy from the, the guy from the, um, from the kitchen. Yes, Gary. Okay. They're they're being pervs, or at least two of them are. Yeah. They're being pervs, creeping on these women as they're going, creeping on these girls as they are going swimming. Um, and it's very, you know, stereotypical eye candy stuff. They're in two feet of water and they're playing with a beach ball. You know, very... very clad. Yeah, very scantily <laughs> clad. And as they're sitting there watching, they're like, oh, you know, two of the guys, JJ and, and um, Gary. Gary, are like, oh, man, that's so amazing. Oh, my God. McKinley's just kind of like... You, you, I think I'm gonna go, guys. I think I'm gonna go, guys. Yeah, you have fun, and they're like, "Oh, I don't think McKinley's ever been with a woman," and they're they're having this this deep conversation about trying to get him hooked up with. Oh, we could hook him up with her. We can hook him up with her. Right. And as we're seeing this, as we're hearing this, we get to see McKinley hooking up with Bradley Cooper's character, Ben. Yes. Ben. Which I don't know if you noticed in that opening scene around the campfire. Did you notice Susie kept trying to kiss Ben? And he kept pushing her I away. I did notice. Okay, I did notice that. I just it, I didn't click that that's who that was later on in the film. I do remember noticing that. Um, <laughs> and now we know why. Yeah. So, as with most of these kinds of movies, like Ernest goes to camp or even something, like that, there's got to be some kind of a conflict. And there's this great thing that they're building up to. They're building up to a baseball game against Camp Tiger Claw which we've never heard of until this point in the movie. Camp Tiger Claw, they're supposed to be their rivals, their hated rivals, and we're going to have this game, we're going to we're going to do something and and he literally is like saying, "Yeah, we're probably going to we're going to think up some crazy plan and we're going to execute it." It's literally he's always saying <laughs> shit like this. Um and just as he is giving this like it's like it's like, "What do you guys think of that?" and the kids are like, "That seems kind of trite. It seems kind of, you know, pointless." Like <laughs> If we could just forfeit, they could they could take it. And, and just then, as they're saying this, the the school bus from Camp Tiger Clock comes up behind him, and he's like, "Oh, okay." So he runs up and goes and talks to the coach. He's like, "Hey, man, they're, they're just they're just not gonna play. You you you, you guys win. We forfeit." And the coach just gets on the bus and they go back up. They're fine. <laughs> it's like okay. Yeah. And he comes back. He's like, "They were cool with it." Yeah, they were cool <laughs> with it. Um. So yeah, there's always like montages of um sports and things and um one of them is uh, capture the flag in which we see i'm pretty sure was this only this movie's only black guy this only african-american in this movie of course he didn't he might not have even been african-american he looked like an olympian he looked like he might have been from yes, kenya or yes. something um <laughs> who, who who somehow comes Actually, out of nowhere i kind of think he kind of looked like usain bolt really from jamaica a little bit okay no it's not him it's not him and that might have been who Right. Who he was supposed to be? If he might have been around a, by then or not. So that's why I'm not sure. Of. I don't remember hearing that name back way. Of course, I didn't care about the Olympics way back then, um, or now, or or now even. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, like this. This they're having this capture the flag moment, and he comes out of nowhere and just randomly steals the flag and, and wins. Um, something I noticed um, again. We have Andy, douchebag Andy, out on the water with children, which we know by now that he should not be there. He should not be out there with these kids. Um, pulling a kid on skis in 
um, in in the motorboat and yeah, doing jet skiing, doing do, well, doing well, water do, doing water skiing, yeah, yes. doing water skiing, and of course, again, he is interested in Elizabeth Banks, nice. not paying attention. The kid falls off the skis and just disappears below the waves, and there's another kid. another kid sitting there is like, is it my, my turn, turn now? <laughs> <laughs> and then we get another shot. From behind this van of a kid being thrown out of the van onto the side. No, but what got me what got me about that scene was when the kid falls off the when the kid falls off the skis, you get a high pitched Wilhelm yell. You know what a Wilhelm yell is? No, I'm not familiar with the term. For those of you who don't know what a Wilhelm yell is, I will put one right here. I think the most famous example of a Wilhelm yell I know is in the first Star Wars movie. That's episode four, for those of you who don't remember a time before the prequels. Um, yeah, and so, yeah, that that scream, but high-pitched. That, that had me rolling. Um, from there, we cut to a scene with Coop and Katie, who keeps... He, he keeps thinking that Katie likes him. Uh, she hangs out with she him, hangs all, out with the him all the time, but she is also, we've also seen her making out with Andy before. Um, but uh, we get this very tender, very touching scene with them in a barn surrounded by goats. <laughs> because they have told because, Coop to clean up the goat shit. Yeah, they told Coop to clean up the goat shit. Um, I don't know why they have goats at this fa- at this particular summer camp. I don't, I don't think there's any farming um, activities. But um, they sit down and they're both like, I'm cold. And in then, August. In August, yeah. It's I mean, summertime. It's Maine, but... it, yeah, it is, it is Maine. But even yeah. in even in Maine in August, I'm pretty sure it's warm. Yeah, at least warm. At least it may warm. not be scorching, but yeah. it can't be um, cold. It's not even nighttime. So so Katie's like, well, would you like my sweater? She's, she's wearing this little zip-up sweatshirt. And he's like, yeah, sure. So he, she gives it to Coop. And then she's standing there like rubbing her arms like she's cold. And he's like... You look cold. Would you like my flannel? He's like, sure. So he takes off his flannel shirt underneath it, and they're, they're just sitting there swapping shirts is all they're doing. And then I think finally at the end of it, they start making out. Do they? I thought they did. You're probably right. But I know at one point he does take the flannel back because he wants it back. Yeah. Like, he's like, yeah, I'm going to need that back like now. Yeah. And keeps her sweater on. Doesn't uh, give that back. Yeah, he, he doesn't give her sweater <laughs> back. Um... And then uh, from there, this this whole movie is, it's, of course, this is not meant to be a serious film by any stretch of the imagination. If you go into this movie getting annoyed by things like um, continuity errors and shit like that, you're going to drive yourself insane. This movie is very self-aware, does not need to be taken seriously. Um... Oh, shit, we totally forgot to talk about the going to town scene. Okay. Was, oh, my okay. God. That oh okay rewind back to um right be right right after Paul Rudd throws a kid out of a moving vehicle the first time okay um they're all uh, um well first it starts with Janine Garofalo character and David Hyde Pierce character they realize they're starting to be into each other mm-hmm. but they don't know how to approach it because they're he doesn't know anything about camp directing she doesn't know anything about astrophysics. So she goes and asks another counselor, Nancy, what's her mm, name? Yeah, Nancy. Well, where would I find a book on astrophysics? She's like, I don't know, maybe the a library, library or a bookstore? <laughs> and then he does the same thing. He does comes the up same to thing. her about camp directing. So then you get your 
camp counselors getting to go to town, which is always a big deal in these summer camp movies. Right. Only this one doesn't quite follow the formula. Oh, it's, it goes even bigger. It goes even bigger. <laughs> so they, they see Beth, is her name, Janine Garofalo's character, going mm-hmm. to town and like six of them, I think. Yeah, like six of them all pile in the back of this pickup truck like, yeah, we're going to town! <laughs> and uh, at first we get shots of, you know, her at the library looking up astrophysics, astrophysics and on the other side is David Hyde Pierce finding books because they haven't, apparently they have an entire section on uh, summer camps <laughs> and, and it's right next to the right next to the astrophysics so yeah that how did that that's not even alphabetical how does that work <laughs> astrophysics summer camp um well it was camp directing oh, maybe camp the, maybe directing. the bees were in bees in there somewhere they, <laughs> very we'll we'll give them the benefit of the <laughs> doubt and say this is a very small town because yeah it was somewhere in maine a very small town with probably a very small library so you could probably go from astrophysics to camp directing in just a short little bit um and then of course there's all these great little shots of People getting, um, the camp counselors buying beer and camp counselors just loving being outside, not being in camp. And I kind of, I, I can relate to that because there was a time in my life where I was, you know, in a kind of a, uh, campus, a school campus situation. I did not have a car and it drove me crazy. Like anytime someone was like, Hey, I'm going to the grocery store. I was like, take me with you. I gotta get out of here. I gotta, I gotta make sure that the, the outside world is still there. Um, and then, uh. I actually looked away from the screen for just a couple seconds to make a note. And I looked back up and two of the camp counselors are buying this huge bag of Coke from this guy. And they're like, you know, I'm just like, okay, what the hell happened in the last second? And from there you see camp counselors stealing old ladies purses and, and, Doing all kind of crazy shit, like actually in a crack house, shooting up. I'm guessing it was heroin. Yep, all sitting and on the floor. All sitting you can on the tell floor, out of their minds. Amy Poehler's got blood coming out of her <laughs> mouth, and they're all just like. <laughs> and then from there, they just all show back up at camp, just completely normal, like nothing had ever happened. Yeah, and so it was a great hour to be away. It was a great so hour. All this, happened in, all this happened in the span of one hour. That's got to be some serious drugs. Um. Okay, so back to. Let's see. We were talking about where they were swapping shirts in the barn. After that, we get another great shot of Molly Shannon in her crafts class. She's still losing her mind, and her kids are still playing therapist for her. Um, and then uh, Coop, after swapping shirts with Katie, is like calling his mom and dad. He's like, hey, I know you guys are always worried about me, and but I want you to know I'm going to be okay. I met someone. But she's got, she's got this other boyfriend, but... It's going to work it's out. It's going to work out. And I'm not sure, but did the dad ask if she was Jewish? You don't I hear it, don't but, he's, think so. but he says, I'm not sure, but she's got a big nose. And that's kind of a stereotype. Yeah. I just think that's what she he was asking. That, that may have been. I don't hear the question. Yeah, I think that's what he was asking. Um, so you see, you see Coop and he is like running across the camp to this one dorm where he's looking for Katie. And this, this is just me, and I notice stupid shit like this in movies, but when he's outside, he's it's all sunny, you know? And then he, like, I was like, oh, hey, Katie. And Katie is sitting in there with Andy, sitting on their bed, and or sitting on her bed, I guess. And then you get a shot looking at, at Coop out the door, out towards the outside, and it's raining in that one shot. Like, there's water coming off the roof. And then the next shot, I don't, I don't well, know if they did that on... Per- Andy is crying. Andy is so crying. So I think it's supposed to be symbolic. Maybe. Who knows? <laughs> um, 
So Coop leaves, and he thinks that Katie is breaking up with Andy at this mm-hmm. point, and he's kind of getting excited. Mm-hmm. And um, after this, we get another wonderful scene of Gene, the insane Vietnam vet uh, cook. And uh, in this point, this is where that uh, little voiceover bit that I was I had mentioned earlier comes in, because there is a talking can of mixed vegetables on the shelf behind him, and it's like telling him to accept who he is and not. Yeah, not Gene also says, "I'm gonna go smear mud on my ass." Yeah, I'm gonna go smear mud on my ass. And he and tries to he cover, tries to cover tracks, that one up, and he's like, "No, we both know you said you're gonna smear mud on your ass." Yeah, just accept it. Yeah. Um. Did we get to McKinley and Ben? McKinley. Not in the in the not in the in the in the tool shed. Not in the tool shed, the actual marriage. Oh yeah, yeah. Forgot about that. JJ and Gary go to find out where McKinley at is at. They're following him through the woods and they see him off with Susie. Mm-hmm. And they're like, Oh, maybe he is gonna get some. And then she ends up what's she playing? A she, flute? She's playing a flute or something, just standing there. Playing the flute, and they peer over further, and it turns out McKinley and Ben are getting married. It's being officiated by Beth, the mm-hmm. camp director. Mm-hmm. And who else was there? Oh, I forget. I'm sure. So they have an official camp marriage of these, I guess, supposed to be 16-year-old counselors? Yeah, I'm guessing so. It's supposed to be 16-year-olds. Um, and after that, what is it JJ and and um, and uh, Gary did for him? They're like, oh, we're gonna. They they said like we're gonna do something for him. Like we're gonna. They they made it sound like they were gonna try and like turn them straight or something right. like that. But instead, they get them this 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 a uh, piece of furniture from Crate and Barrel or something like that. Yeah, they're like, hey McKinley, we, we got, got something, something for, for you. you. Or, yeah, that was it. That was it. And he's like, it's a new chase. We didn't it's- know if you had one yet or not. <laughs> <laughs> and they're just like, oh my gosh, it's so wonderful. Thank you. Um. So after um after Gene has his conversation with the mixed vegetables, he uh finally like goes out and talks to all the kids in the middle of the in the middle of the the the, the cafeteria and is basically telling them you know, like yeah I'm insane I don't care this is who I am and, and he, he he ends that with a I'm gonna go hump the fridge yeah and of course they're all like what. But this time he doesn't cover his track. He's like, "No, I'm gonna go hump the fridge." Gary pushes the fridge out into the middle of the in the middle but, of the but room. But he says all his sayings again. He's like, "Yes, I have dick cream. Yes, yes I, I like to funnel, I like to funnel, funnel my, my sweaters. sweaters. And yes, I like to smear mud on my ass sometimes." <laughs> He's just such a great character. So so well written. So deep. <laughs> Vietnam man. Vietnam man. Yeah. Um, there's a scene where they finally give the beekeeper a shower. They they just come and get this poor little kid and literally like drag him drag out, like, him like, out like, like a hazing, like a hazing. Yeah, but it's drag, just a shower because he a needs shower. it. He needs yeah. His clothes are dirty. He yeah. He looks like a gross little like you almost <laughs> smell him through the screen. Um, so throughout the, throughout a good portion of the movie, um, David Hyde Pierce's character has taken the nerdy kids out and is showing them stuff about astrophysics. As said, and these, these the kids, kids that stay inside all yeah, the time. they're the kids that stay inside all the time. And in the credits, they're known as Mall Rat Girl, Cure Girl, like the Cure, the band, uh, Cape Kid, Medieval Kid, and Mork Guy. That is, th- those are their names in the credits because one of them is wearing rainbow suspenders like Mork and from says Mork and, Nanu Nanu. and says Nanu Nanu like um from Mork and Mindy. Anyone who doesn't know who Mork and Mindy is, educate yourself. That's where that's where Robin Williams got his start. Um, and they've been 
looking at looking through telescopes and all this stuff and um we start to find out that something bad is happening up there from the way that from the way that uh, D- uh, David, David Hyde Pierce, Pierce is reacting. Yeah, he, he sees something in the sky. He sees something in right. the sky. Well, we find out. Um, well, first of all, through this great moment where he and Janine Garofalo are walking, and uh, he's like, "I've got something important to tell you." And they walk past this picnic table, and he stops and he says, "Meet me at the picnic table in ten <laughs> seconds." And then he walks off to the side, and the camera just waits for a few seconds. And Janine Garofalo walks back, and then all of a sudden, all the kids from the astrophysics group... And he's got his lab coat on. He's got his lab coat on. They've got their telescopes and all their stuff out there. Suddenly, we find this movie's conflict. We find the urgency, what the real pressing matter is. There is suddenly a piece of a space station hurtling from space towards the camp. And what do they do? They put together a bunch of garbage, literal, like it's a trash can and like a little screen that's playing Pong and like a Fisher Price typewriter and for some reason like donuts and stuff. They're they're making a machine to track this piece of Skylab. And if it works, and he'll get a Hopkins World Award and mm-hmm. can finally get tenure. And finally get tenure, yes. Um, so... <laughs> Um, yeah, so there's that scene. And then we, from there, see Coop has, uh, has talked to Katie, thinking that Katie is the one for him, that she's going to break up with Andy and go be with him. And that, of course, turns out to not be the case. Um, we see Coop crying alone in the woods, joined by Jean, and the best training montage since Rocky IV ensues, including... Dancing and we also get a timestamp at this point. Yeah, seven thirty-five. Seven thirty-five at this point when they start. They're seven thirty-five p.m. and this this entire movie takes place in the course of one day. Yeah, you get the little campfire scene at the very beginning, the bonfire, and from That's there the on, the night before. But everything else starts at six a.m. with these boys leaving the girls' dorm room on August eighteenth. Um, <laughs> so yeah, the whole thing takes place in one day. And then at the end of the training montage is what, 740? 751. 751, okay. Right, so, so 15 so minutes. 15 minutes. Actually, it should have been 16, 16 minutes. 16 exact minutes. At this point, this movie has just gone insane. It has just lost its mind completely. The um, we, we, finally find, <laughs> we finally find out about the kids in the raft that have been abandoned by both of their counselors. They're just literally floating down this river. Well, Neil shows up at the camp. It's night. He's still on the motorcycle, and suddenly his hair is like twice as long as it was yeah. earlier. And the camera cuts from him over to Janine Garofalo or to, to Beth, and she's like, "What's going on? What's wrong?" And it cuts back to him, and his hair's he's short back. again. He's back. It's, he's back to his old self. <laughs> and uh, he's like, "Oh, the kids are about to go over the waterfall." I mean, this is some like serious lassie shit. Like, "Oh no, Timmy fell down the well." Because I think they say this river's like two hours away. Yeah. That's what they say. Something, something like that. Even though a, when he goes to leave, he said, you'll never make it back in time. Yeah. But. It's a long ways away. So they go, and, and of course, this whole this whole time, poor um, uh, Victor has been hoofing it back to camp by himself on foot. And he finally shows up just as they're looking for him. They are, you know, they, they're, what was it? They, they went to try to find what phone he was calling them from because yeah, they, they got a call and it said it was coming from in the camp and yeah there's only one other phone like in the sudden camp. suddenly like they're they're able to track phone calls from where there's like find him whenever they whenever whenever he calls like find him find him 
But you don't even know it's him calling because you, you just hear breathing on the phone. Yeah. I just think it's him. This is 1981. There is no caller ID at this time. <laughs> I'm not even sure they had touch-tone phones. I think they were all rotary phones. Um, so they go, they think they think he's calling from the infirmary and go destroy the infirmary looking for him. They're open. I don't know why they're opening cabinets and like pulling everything out of the cabinets. Just they must, they must have had a fun time filming that scene. I, I would have had so. so much fun yep. with that. It's like just destroy everything. And like at one point, <laughs> at one point, Neil picks up this jar full of lollipops and just throws it against the wall. Like, are you guys still looking for Victor? Because I'm pretty sure he wasn't in there. Um, they destroyed the infirmary. We find, um, and when Victor finally gets back to camp, he's all dirty and he's bleeding. He's, he's, and he finally finds Abby, the girl he came back in hopes of losing his virginity to. Who's already hooked up with Gary at this point. Who's already hooked up with Gary at this point, yeah. But is now with one of the campers. making out with one of the campers. (laughs) With the, making out with the same little fat kid who was doing the wake-up call. (laughs) Um, (laughs) and now, now Victor has to go save the kids from going over the rapids and we get a couple of shots of the kids in the rat, in the raft and there's the rapid, but you can tell the raft isn't moving, but the kids are all just sitting going, Oh, help us, help us. And like, you can, one of them is smiling whenever you can tell, (laughs) you can tell nobody's taking this seriously. And so after it took them so long to get to that river in the beginning of the movie, suddenly they're just back there instantly. Victor and Neil and just in time for the talent just show. Just in time for the talent show, of course. And um and Neil's like, No, you gotta go save him. And this this all happens off camera. All you see is Neil reacting to, Oh my god, yeah, he's doing it! He's doing it! And then suddenly all the kids come walking back through. Victor comes walking out, who is suddenly clean and not bleeding anymore, like he just woke up, just put on fresh clothes. And now we get to um, the, talent to the talent show. The talent. Oh Lord! Every everything involving children needs a talent show. Dear God. Um, oh, but these are some great. But these talents. are some great talents, man. So, like the 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 broom, the master broom, a the balancer, broom balancer, the broom balancer. Who balances it for five seconds? Who balances for five seconds and gets a standing ovation. You have three girls singing a song about being friends mm-hmm. from one dorm room to the other. They the, said something like that. Yeah. You get the classic boy who farts into a lighter to blow flames out at the crowd. Yeah. And then it's time for the song from the Godspell musical. Yes. And before they do it, Susie gets up there and says, I just want everybody to know these campers suck dick. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think, um, I think uh, Amy Poehler might have been a, uh, like a, um, a playwright in another life or something because she's talking to these kids like they're Broadway quality actors instead of, you know, kids at a summer camp. So yeah, she that's how she prefaces their performance. I just want you to know these campers suck dick. And they get up and they sing and it's really good. It's good. The crowd is cheering. The crowd is cheering. They're clapping. And, they're and just... for those of you who don't know, Godspell is a musical from the 1970s that is a kind of a hippie rocked up version of the actual story of Jesus from the Bible. So it, it is, it is an actual biblical kind of a story. Um, but with all the clapping and cheering and the good performance, once is over because they knew that they, they were supposed to give a bad performance. Everybody starts booing. Well, I see. Cause when, whenever they all take a bow, this big like neon cross lights up in the back. So I thought they were booing because like, Oh, keep your, keep your religion, keep your Christianity. I thought oh, that's what they were booing. Maybe at. you're 
right. You know, right? keep your keep understand. your religion out of my camp, goddammit. Oh, okay. <laughs> I thought that might have been what that was. But, of course, you, you're right. They could be booing just because they were told they would suck. Yeah, that, that's what I thought. And at, then... At this point, you just don't know with this movie. It is just... Whatever comes to your mind, that's what's happening. And then, also, throughout the movie, you do see this one strange character. His name's Steve. Steve, yes. He's Steve. always to himself, talking in different kinds of, like, robotic voice. He's talking like a robot, yes. Like, I must, I must pr- prepare for the landing of my leaders. So to make him happy, they offer him a spot, and he gets to go last in the talent show. Mm-hmm. So now it's his turn. So and and oddly enough, he does play into one of the other subplots in this movie. We get to we cut back to um, um, David Hyde Pierce and all the little nerds, and he he has one of the best reactions. He's they're trying to figure out exactly where this piece of this spacecraft is going to land, and he's looking at the data. And he just goes. Oh, fuck my cock. <laughs> yeah, all these little kids around you. That's fine. Um, and what was it? They they needed something that could randomly generate numbers from 1 to 12. Or from 1 to 20. And, what, and of course, the kid with the cape is like, Oh, well, I have my 20-sided die right here. So, yeah, very high-tech shit. This kid's just sitting there rolling this dice over and over again um, to, to, to randomly generate numbers. Um so after all this is done, they still think that this thing is going to crash and it's supposed to land right on the rec hall, right there where the, the, the play is happening or the, the talent, uh, the talent show, show is happening. Place, yes. Um, and they're and like, nobody's going to tell them or anything. No, they're but, just going to let it happen. They're just going to let they, it happen. If see can't. if they, see if they can, see if they can get it to, to not crash there, which I still don't know how they're <laughs> supposed to do that. Um, and I, there's one thing I noticed um, in the background of one of the scenes in the uh, in the in the, the the talent show. You see Christopher Maloney. You see Jean sitting with a woman in a white suit. She's and I thought for a second it was Mariska Hargitay because it looked just like her. I, I looked it up in the in the credits and it wasn't her. It was some other lady. But I'm like, did they do that on purpose? Did they, <laughs> did, they did they put someone who looked like uh, Detective Benson in there? Oh, that's right. She was she, in Law yeah, and Order. Yeah, yeah. Law, okay. uh, Law so, and Order SVU. Yeah. She so was I, she was Olivia Benson. Okay. Um. So yeah. So th- is this when we cut back to Steve? Yeah, this is when we cut back to he, Steve, and, and he's putting on his best carry performance. Yeah, he's all he's doing is like he's holding his hands out. He's got these white like Mickey Mouse gloves on and these dark sunglasses, and he's like holding his hands out, and this crazy wind is blowing, and all this shit's happening. And I'm, I guess they they want you to to come to the conclusion that he's the one who's bringing this space shuttle down on on this camp or something. And oh okay, I just took it as he actually had they or he they were making it seem like he just had to telekinetic power. Okay, yeah, and not actually bringing it down, but you knew that's what was causing the wind to blow. And yeah, not him. but yeah, maybe they were going for the fact that he's the one doing this. Maybe this whole time. maybe again, like if you if you're wrong about anything in this movie, you're you're not. No one's gonna care about it. <laughs> yeah. Um. And that's when it actually lands. That's when it actually lands. And Steve gets a standing ovation for this little yeah, performance. Yeah, Steve gets as well. a standing ovation again. Um, and after this, we see, or, or it's during this scene that we see Coop come back from his training montage with uh, with Gene, and he is dressed like him now. He's got the headband yeah, and the, the, midriff. The, the midriff and the cutoff shirt and everything. 
And uh, short shorts. He has this. He, of course, he talks to Katie, and Katie's like, "Oh, you, I love you now." For some reason, she decides she loves him now, and uh, he says, "I've grown up a lot since just before dinner when we last <laughs> talked." <laughs> Again, no sense of time in this movie. Oh, God, I mean, what an ending! That that's all I can. That's all I can think of is what an ending to this movie because the next day it's the end of camp. Everybody's going home and we get a couple of like scenes. We get one with, with Beth and yeah, Henry has Henry, uh, accepted a job with NASA and he already got his award. What was the, what was the, the Hopkins, award? the Hopkins award? Which, He's already got this giant trophy, tr- trophy, this giant trophy. Like he won a baseball game or something. And, and he's already told Beth that, he said that he's going to move her in, yeah. which is good because she is now pregnant. Yeah, yeah. He's like, well, no, because at one point he like implies that they've had a hard time conceiving or something. <laughs> it's like, when have you tried to conceive anything? You just met yesterday. Uh, so, um, but yeah, and then at the end of that, we see Molly Shannon is now talking with this kid she's like holding him like 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 she's her boyfriend's like oh well our our wedding is coming up soon like yeah she's marrying this 10 year old boy yeah and um so coop did end up getting with katie that last night yeah that last night they he did get with katie but then as as they are getting ready to leave she's like look i'm 16 i'm just all about sex and andy is just ripped Hot. hot got a huge dick something like i forget what i forget what exactly she says but basically she's just sitting there saying you're a nice guy but i only care about this guy because he's hotter than you like and she's like i know he's a douchebag uh-huh. or an asshole or something yeah. but right now i don't care yeah i just want to fuck yeah that's that's like all she wants so that that that's like the only part of this movie that is not stereotypical because i'm pretty sure in any of those old movies it would have ended differently Oh, and one scene we didn't touch on mm-hmm. earlier in the movie when they talk about meeting up in 10 years. Oh, yes. Yes. Uh, we get a scene right towards the beginning of the movie where all the camp counselors are sitting around talking. It's like, yeah, we need to meet up again in 10 years just to see how everyone's doing. You know? They're like, what time? Nine? Nine thirty? Yeah. Like they are planning 10 years in advance and di- trying to decide what, what time of day. Yeah, like Coop's like, we should do it early. That way we could make a day of it. Yeah. They're like, well, let's say nine. That way we can, or we say nine and be here by nine thirty. And then McKinley's character's like, yeah, that's good because I got a, I got an appointment at eleven. And they're like, ten years from now, he's like, what? I moved it twice. <laughs> I can't I can't change it again. So now, granted, this was two thousand one. This movie has an after credit stinger before Marvel ever did it. So <laughs> Marvel just copied other people. You know? <laughs> so after the credits roll. We get like a three second scene of all the camp counselors. Now they're supposed to be 10 years older. And it's uh, 935. It's 935. JJ's just walking in the door. JJ's just walking in the door and he's like, yeah, I'm sorry I'm late. I thought he's like, like I thought, no, I was supposed to be here at nine. And Amy Poehler's like, yeah, we said nine, but we knew everyone would be here by 930. <laughs> Boom. That's the end of and it. That's it. That's the end of the movie. <laughs> this, God, it's so funny because you compare this. You know, I'm going into this thinking this is an R-rated comedy. Thinking, looking at this through like 2019 eyes of what an R-rated comedy usually constitutes, and I was surprised because there was not a single dick in this movie, which nope. so many times you will see those in in, in what in R-rated comedies nowadays. And like even like like if you compare this movie to like a Melissa McCarthy movie, like 
the heat or spy or just about anything she's been in really it's relatively tame compared to like yeah there's 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 quite a few f-bombs and stuff in it but other than that this movie would probably be pg-13 if it was made nowadays oh there is a hardcore drug scene okay hardcore drug scene yeah maybe but like as as far as like actual like there wasn't even really any nudity in it i couldn't believe that um so yeah i guess that's just the difference in you know what almost 20 years of comedy has what um i mean obviously you love this movie because this was one that you were like okay you're finally gonna sit down and watch this movie and i admit it has been on my netflix queue for like three years now i just (laughs) i just never got the motivation to actually sit down and watch it i'm like no i'm gonna watch bojack horseman for a fifth time and that is why we're doing this podcast and that is why we're doing this podcast it was in my blind spots that's right we're gonna touch on movies we've never seen never wanted to see maybe some movies we've never heard of and, as movie lovers know this problem all too well, those movies that are in our ever-growing to-watch piles. Yes, to either either my Netflix queue or your DVR. DVR. <laughs> <laughs> See, we've known each other for almost five years now. Yes. And how many times have I heard you say the phrase, it's on my DVR? <laughs> and it probably and still is. it probably is. still is. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So, that wraps up episode two of cinematic blind spots you can find us on spotify as well as Castbox and anchor and uh, breaker right now as well we hopefully very soon we will also be on apple podcasts as well as google podcasts but you can find us on instagram at cinematic underscore blind spots and we're also on twitter as well at cinematic blind spots yes we we're um, gonna we're doing a facebook page it's gonna be updated Got some changes to make to that one, but yes, follow us on all those. And uh, please, if you like this, if you like this podcast, leave us a comment, leave us a review. If you have any movies you think that are like so obscure we've never heard of, now, granted, Josh has have he has he has a lot more knowledge of obscure movies than I do, so there's a chance that it will be on an upcoming episode. If you would like to make a suggestion, and just be sure to subscribe, tell your friends. Yeah, and if we get some reviews, we might decide to start reading some on here. That would be wonderful. But until next time, I'm Adam. And I'm Josh. And always be sure to check your blind spots.